Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right, friends. All right, friends. Why don't you go ahead and take a seat? Take a seat. We're so glad you're here again. Hello, hello, hello. We'll get to those... uh, We'll get to those words you use to describe yourself in just a moment. But I do want to say once again, it is an honor to come together as the people of God and to worship our risen Savior and to to lift Jesus up. I mean, He is worthy of all the glory, all of the honor, and all of the power. I want to read a scripture to us to get us going. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, down in verse 54, it says this, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Everyone say victory. In in the scriptures, victory was synonymous with the term uh, resurrection, right? And so where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning we share in his victory. He gave us his victory dance. You know what I'm saying? He gave us his victory party. We are wearing his crown of victory. It's his. He's sharing it with us sharing that with us. Therefore, what do we do with that? My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you because you've already won. Always give yourself fully. Everyone say fully. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Are you thankful? One more clap today. Are you thankful for the victory we have in Jesus today? All right, give me, if you believe in that, give me one loud amen together. Here we go. Amen. All right, thank you guys so much. So back to this word that you use to describe yourself today. All right, tell me a couple of them, just real quick. I need a few quick quick examples. Joyful. Joyful. Grateful. Tired. Okay. Okay, there's a whole bunch of things, and all of them are perfectly appropriate for how you feel today, but I am going to give you one word on top of what we just read, right? I would say you are victorious today. And I say that um, as an echo, of course, of the scripture, but there really has been an invitation you've been given. It's the greatest party of all time. It is better than any banquet you've been involved to or been invited to or party you've been invited to. It is the victory party of Christ that we get to share in. And, and I just want to say, for those of you that are in Christ today, you have so much, yes, to be grateful for, but, but Jesus swallows up death through his resurrection. And that is the gospel today. That is the good news of Jesus and that we have a Savior who has overcome death so that we can have life. That death is actually the engine to life. And Jesus is that engine. And so we're, we're proclaiming that today. And if you're new here, if you're new to church, or if there's anything um, that you're still like questioning around God or questioning around Jesus, today I want to hopefully give you a little bit of help and understanding the story of Jesus uh, and understanding um, all that God has done for you. Well, you know, we just finished as a church a week of nonstop prayer. And I'm so proud and so thankful. We had, we had over 160 hours of prayer prayed since Monday. And... And, you know, in my, in my definition, that means we are prayed up for today. You know what I mean? Like we are ready to rock and roll. And if you didn't get to be a part of that or you're new here, you're just hearing about it, you've been prayed for is what I'm trying to say. 
We've been praying for this day. We, we pray, of course, for a lot of things. But one of the things we prayed for is today for the Holy Spirit to move and to welcome God into this place. That this isn't our time. This is his time that we get to celebrate and join him in the work he's doing. So today's message is titled, Yes, You Are, if you haven't figured that out yet. Obviously, uh, I stole that title from the song that was just sang up here that Stephen wrote. And uh, I mean, why not? It's a good song. A great song. We'll see if we can make this into somewhat of a good message for you. But um, I want you to consider this yes, you are statement. But I want you to think about it not from the standpoint of a, a, a thought about yourself like we already did. I also don't even want you to think about it from a, a statement about directed another person. Like this isn't me asking you, am I invited, invited over for Easter lunch today? In which you would, of course, obviously say, well, yes, you are. I have a seat reserved for you. This also isn't the time your kids said, I'm not going to eat my dinner. And you said, mm, oh, say it with me. Yes, you are. <laughs> this also isn't the time when you moved out and you looked at your parents and said, hold up, wait, 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 wait. Does this mean I'm responsible for all my bills now? And you went, mm-hmm. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? This is a declaration today, a declaration to our Heavenly Father. Yes, you are good. Yes, you are love. Yes, you are king. Yes, you are grace. Yes, you are mercy. Yes, you are victory. Yes, you are all around me. So today, we're going to make a declaration. And if we said, yes, you are, and then I left a blank for you to declare to God today, I want you to fill that blank in today. I want you to, by the end of this time together, you're going to be declaring something to God that you would say, Lord, yes, you are. Similar to how that centurion said, surely you are the son of God. And so we're going to do that today as we get to, the, as we get to it. But I want to kind of go back to the story of the resurrection of Jesus. I want to read from John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. Of course, we've already read of the death. We even read of the empty tomb this morning. But this is when Jesus first appears to his disciples as the resurrected Christ. It says this, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to imagine this moment. The disciples are locked behind doors because they're afraid of the Jewish leaders who just days prior had captured their leader, Jesus, and they had put him through a bogus trial. And eventually, they, through their powers of, of just coercion through the people, they put him to death through the crucifixion. And here they are just uh, sitting in their house behind locked doors, hours removed from hearing the news of the empty tomb. Most of them have not yet seen him yet. And they're behind locked doors. And then all of a sudden, Jesus decides to make it a little crazier. The, chaos, the city is in chaos. He decides to make it a little crazier. And it says that he just showed up. He appeared in them, which I'm always like, as I read that, I'm like, does that mean he just like walked through a wall? Does that mean he like just showed up all of a sudden? I mean, it doesn't say that he knocked at the door. It just said Jesus appeared. And I'm like, okay, this is getting cray cray. All right, so he shows up and it says, he says that this, he says this statement, peace be with you. Now, this is a statement of God's presence. Peace be with you in Hebrew is shalom alechayim, right? Shalom alechayim. Now, this doesn't mean don't be afraid as we often would interpret. 
This doesn't mean, hey, I want you to have the absence of fear, the absence, if we were going to say peace in this world, the absence of, uh, say, war or the absence of noise. We want some peace and quiet. No, in the world, when we say peace, it's actually the absence of something, but peace in the kingdom is the presence of someone. I've said this before, but it's so critical. When Jesus announces peace be with you, he's saying, listen, God's presence is here and it's here to stay. God is with you. And he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. God is with you. So the story of the gospel, the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus is really a story about God's presence and God's presence coming back to his people to where he can have a permanent residence in us. And so when we say peace be with you, we're declaring God is with us. So again, today we're going to make declarations about God. And if we begin with that one, right, that God is with us, that's a declaration of sorts. We have to kind of go to what I would say are the things that we know about God. No matter what your spiritual kind of, uh, wherever you're at spiritually, you know, your level, however you want to say it, uh, there's a few things that probably most of us know about God. And I'll just kind of use what's called the, the attributes of God, and these are known as the omni-attributes, to kind of state a few obvious things about God. We'll put them on the screen because the word omni in the Greek actually means all, so these are the ultimate yes, you are statements about God. So God is omnipresent, which we were just talking about. God is everywhere, right? Shalom Ali Chaim, right? God is omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful. God can do anything. Yes, you are all powerful, God. God is omniscient, meaning he's all knowing. God knows you. You are all knowing, God. If I asked you, did you already know all these things about God? Most of you would say, yeah, I pretty much already knew these things. You're not sharing anything new with me. Even if you aren't someone who follows Christ, even if you aren't someone who has been around Christianity all that much, you would say, I, I pretty much understand that that's what Christians believe. That's what churches believe. They believe these things about God, that he's all present, all powerful, all knowing. So let me ask you a question. What if the obvious things we know aren't all that obvious in how we live? What if the obvious things that we know about God aren't all that obvious in how we live? Because don't we miss the obvious all the time? Let me give you an example. A few years ago, our family went to Disney World and we happened to be there on one of those days that the Magic Kingdom was at full capacity, meaning they weren't letting anybody else in the park. The last, they had so many people in there. It was Disney to the fullest in every sense of the word. You know what I mean? And it was a crazy day. And I don't recommend going on those days, by the way, because um, once you're standing in line for Dumbo for two hours, you realize, hold on, wait, I get it. I'm the Dumbo. <laughs> that, that joke credit goes to Jim Gaffigan, by the way. Um, but anyway. So later that night after the fireworks show, we, we started leaving. But the problem was everybody going to the same place at the same time made it literally chaos. It was nuts. It was um, confirmed that this was, uh, we truly were all Dumbos, yes. But if this, this is, if COVID existed back then, then, by the way, it would have field day. It would have been like Magic Kingdom, psh, COVID Kingdom, right? It would have been all over. At one point though, you could sense the panic, the panic setting in on people and you hear a parent cry out above the crowd, be careful, there's a child over here. Then some smart aleck bystander 
which I love this guy, I don't even know who it was, yells out, there's children everywhere. Which I thought was hilarious because if there's anything we know about Disney is there's children everywhere. But yet this parent needed to clarify, there's a child over here. And I'm like, lady, which one of, you, of the 37,000 children are you talking about? What I'm trying to say is some things are obvious, right? Saying God is everywhere and he's omnipresent is sort of like saying there's a bunch of kids at Disney World. We know this. I want to show you an image to illustrate, though, how we often, even though the things we know, we fail to live them. And I'll show you this little, if you will, this is a little illustration here. But we have, if we have this God up on top of this mountain, ah, kind of moment, right? If we have that, and you have you, you're at the base of the mountain, and you're always trying to make your way up. And so this is really the basis of all religions, is that God is separated from us. We're at the bottom. We're trying to make our way to God through a series of practices, through perhaps doing some sort of um, lifestyle choices of, you know, maybe doing away with materialism or praying three times a day. But there's all sorts of efforts that we make to get to God. And this is the basis for all religion. Religion is predicated by getting ourselves to God. And most forms of religion, like Buddhism, Islam, Hindu, even various forms of uh, New Age spiritual, spirituality, New Ageism, if you will, or even these combinations that are kind of popping up where Christians are kind of combining forces. There's, I read an article about Chrislam, which is like the, the, the bringing together of Islam and Christianity. Every one of these things is really trying to give you the ways to get to God, whether it be to make sure you pray, like I said. Well, Pastor Erwin McManus, he had a powerful quote about this way of thinking. Check this out. He says, we have this construct in our culture that God is elusive and we have to earn our way to God. Any God who forces you to earn his love is not worthy of your worship. Jesus doesn't qualify as a religion because while every other religion gives us a path to earn enlightenment, nirvana, salvation, heaven, whatever it is, Jesus comes and flips it all upside down. He didn't come to tell us what we need to do to get to God. Jesus came to show us what God would do to get to us. Oh my God, I wish I would have said that, it was so good, right? Jesus didn't come to tell us what we need to do to get to God. No, 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 that's everybody else doing that. Jesus came to show us what God would do to get to us. Galatians 4, 4 says, when the time had fully come, God sent his son. John 6, 38 says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the good news of Jesus, that love came down. So I want us to go back to this mountain drawing. And so we have this, uh, this kind of relationship with God, but there's also another way that we relate with God. So sometimes we're trying to get to God, but sometimes we flip it, right? And we have you at the top and you have God at the bottom. And if you're thinking, what does that mean? It means like somehow we took God's seat, we kind of perched ourselves on top of the mountain, we have God way down below and, everybody, and a lot of people will be like, okay, yeah, I get what you're saying, but that's not really realistic. No one really does that. We obviously know that that's wrong, but remember, we miss the obvious all the time. Think about it. Is your relationship with God more like a helpline? Where you reach out to God when you need help. God, I need help with my problems. I need help with my dreams. I need help with my, my hopes, my aspirations. I need help with my job. I need help with my relationships. I need help, 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 help. And if all of your relationship is saying, God, I need your help, well, then you're Aladdin and he's the genie. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're just trying to get him to do what you, you want him to do. 
So maybe you relate to him as a helpline, or perhaps it's another way. It's he's an advisory board. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, do you have any input for me in this decision? Speak now or forever, forever hold your peace. And so we approach him like he's got some sort of advice, but at the end of the day, the decision is yours and you do you. Or perhaps it's not a helpline or perhaps it's not an advisory board, but maybe your relationship with God is more like controlling and nitpicking the way you relate to God. And so you, you, you don't really like the way people interpret the Bible. You don't like how churches operate or you don't like, you know, how Christians act. And so you're trying to shape a more updated, sort of modern, more preferable, more likable, more agreeable version of God. And so you're kind of shaping what you want God to be, which means that you're the one really calling the shots on what's right and what's wrong. That is today's culture, my friends. And here's the thing. In those scenarios, it's not like the first picture. You're not trying to get to God, but you're trying to get from God. You get what you want and you leave the rest. Religions are all about getting to God, but in modern day culture, it's often about getting from God, which makes life more about us than him. But I want you to listen to this. Deuteronomy 7.9 says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Everyone say God is God. God, is God. <laughs> Man, that's so obvious. Hmm. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man. <laughs> Everyone say God is not a man. God is not a man. That he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. How many know that we like to change our mind? That we're fickle, that opinions shift like seasons, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you thankful that he doesn't change? Aren't you thankful that God is not like a man? So God is God and he is not a man. Aren't you glad we cleared that up today? We are stating the obvious, but I wonder how many times we miss the obvious. So in the name of stating it once again, I'm going to put it on screen. God is God and I'm not. You see, God is God. He's not a human and I am not God, I am a human, I am a man, you are a woman. Stating the obvious sometimes is important because sometimes we try and take God's seat. We try and put ourselves where God is supposed to be in life. You ever had someone take your seat? <laughs> you know, you get up from the table and you come back and they're in your seat and you're like, hey, hold up now. That was my seat. You're in my seat. And they say, <laughs> they say, listen, no seatbacks, loser. <laughs> Snoozy lose. I don't know. I hope they, I mean, I don't know if anybody says it that way. But you're like, you say, at our, at our house, we have what is known as a prime seat in our house. It, it's, it's the corner of the sectional, the corner seat. It is prime for movie watching, napping, optimal comfort. We all want the seat. Now, I'm not lying to you. Words have been spoken. Lines have been drawn. Tears have been shed. Battles have been had. People have cried their way to sleep because of that seat. We all want the seat. We want the best seat in the house. In fact, we love the seat so much that we reward one another with this seat. We're like, you know what? You've been awesome today. You can have the seat. Christy, you've had a bad day. We saved the seat for you. I'm going to go sleep on the wood floor. 
kids, you take the wicker chairs. Mom's getting the seat. Everybody wants the good seat in life. We all want the seat at the table of influence. We all want our moment in the sun where we have the seat that's esteemed. We want our political base to have the most seats in the house. Jesus talked about the seat. He said, hey, when you go to a banquet, don't sit in the wrong seat. In fact, don't get the esteemed seat. Go take the least of all the seats so that then the master of the house, i.e. the Lord, will come in and move you from that seat and take you up to a higher seat. He says this. He says, hey, the, those who exalt themselves and sit in the wrong seat, they're going to be humbled. But those who humble themselves before the Lord, they're going to be exalted. You got to take the right seat. And when you put yourself on top of the mountain and you make God your helpline, you make him your advisory board, you make him, you make him whatever version of modern day God you want to make him, you've taken the wrong seat. And we forgot what's obvious, that God is omnipotent. He's the one that's all powerful. We forget the obvious. The things we would all say, oh, I already know that about God. But are you living it? Do you live like he's everywhere, that he's all around you? Do you live like he's omnipotent? God also says that, <clears throat> that he is all-knowing. I want to show you a better picture for us today. I mentioned that the resurrected Jesus announced a type of peace that was about his presence. Look at this image right here. Obviously, you are the dot in the center. And this is not real complicated. But all around you, of course, is the all-encompassing circle of God, right? Which, in reality, there's no edge to that circle. It's an infinite sort of endless being of love and truth and wisdom and power and all the things that come with God that surround you. It really is why we sing like the words of that song, you're everywhere, you're all around me, increase my awareness. You don't have to get to him. You just have to wake up to the fact that he came to you. You don't have to worry or work to get from him because you're already in him. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So if you follow Jesus, you are in Christ. Everything God has and is, it's yours. That's why I started this message by saying God's victory is your victory. His victory dance on top of the enemy is also your victory dance on top of the enemy. On any scheme that he brings against you to hurt you, you have already won the battle when you allow the Lord to fight it for you. Amen. Some things should be obvious, but it's the obvious things we often have to wake up to. We can easily think that our striving will get us to God and make us right before him. We can easily drift to using God instead of praising God. We can drift to critiquing church instead of being the church. We can drift from the obvious things about God and forget the simplest of them all, that God is God and I am not. Some of you need to hear today that Jesus, Jesus loves you. And he came for you. And he is the solution 
to the things and the questions you have in this life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some of us need to hear that you can stop doubting, you can stop resisting, you can, you can, you can allow God's presence that surrounds you to come into you in a way that you would say, like it says in Psalm 139, when he says, he knows when you sit and when you rise, he knows your thoughts. He's inviting you to awaken to the good and loving presence that surrounds you. These, these things that we already know about God are the things that he wants you to just find your purpose in, find your life in. This brings us back to this declaration idea. I, I told you at the beginning, I want, I want you to find a declaration that you can say to the Lord today. These easy ones that I've mentioned today is, yes, Lord, you are everywhere. You're all powerful. You're all knowing. And maybe that's your declaration today for, and it could be for good reason. But you, when you came in, you had this little card. I want you to get it out. It says, yes, you are. And it has a blank line on it. I want you to just get it out. And I want you to start thinking, what would be your personal declaration today be, between you and the Lord? If you're watching online, it just says, yes, you are in a blank. You can do that yourself. It may be an obvious declaration and that's okay. It's maybe you just have to say that obvious thing out loud. You don't have to write it yet, but just, I want you to start thinking. Maybe a declaration that's very personal or maybe one that is special to this specific season that you've been going through. But over the next few minutes, I want you to find your declaration today. Again, this is a declaration about God, right? I just make sure it's not about you. It's not about someone else. It's about the Lord. And I have a few declarations that I was just prayerfully thinking about and I'll put them on the screen. Maybe one of these is yours and it may help you think. But perhaps your declaration today is one of these. Yes, God, you are love. You are good, you are forgiving. Yes, you are patient. I wonder if anybody's thankful for God's patience today. Yes, you are worthy of my life. You're worthy of all that I have. Yes, you are for me. You're not against me. You are my healer. You are my constant. You are my hope. You are my peace. You are my joy. You are trustworthy, God. You know, when I think about the trustworthiness of God, there's so many things we try and put our trust in, but it is, it is God alone that's the only thing that we can trust at the end of the day. You are my savior. You are my victory. You are my breakthrough. You are all around me. You are my Lord. You are compassionate. You are endless. You are creator. You are perfect. You are my passion. You are my purpose. You are faithful. Maybe one of those is your declaration today. But maybe you have your own and I want you to just start to search your heart. What's your declaration you need to make to the Lord today? Is it a word of praise, a word of commitment? Is it a word about his character, his faithfulness, his power, his presence, his place in your life? Lord, you're, you're my Lord. You're the, you're the leader of my life. I do wanna talk about one declaration on this list though. Yes, you are my savior. The word salvation in the scriptures refers to our eternal salvation that we find in Jesus. 
and it can only be found when we have a relationship with him. This, this speaks to our eternal destination in, in heaven, our destiny in our lives right now. It's not just about something in the future, but it's, a, it's about now and the future. It's our hope, it's our purpose, it's our ultimate meaning found in the gift of salvation. It's how we awaken to this life in Christ. It happens through a moment of salvation. Jesus offers us the gift of life to those who choose to follow him. You know, other scriptures use this word to surrender to Jesus. The first step of surrender is to accept his grace and his forgiveness of our sin. And we surrender that to understand that we can't make it up. We can't get to God. We can't try and do it on our own, but we surrender that it's only through Jesus that we can find ourselves in Christ. So we, we surrender ourselves to God as God. Maybe today something finally will begin to click for you. Perhaps for you today, you've been trying to figure God out for a long time. I wanna say something about that. You know, the Holy Spirit draws people to himself. It's called, the, it's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit where he convicts your heart and he draws you to him. It's, it's this idea that God comes to you. You don't have to go to him. He comes to you and all you have to do is receive. This happened for me. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, God, God's Holy Spirit was convicting my heart for quite some time. And in fact, it was a few months of time in which I was going through doubts and going through questions and going through, I don't know if I'm, I was resisting surrender. And when I finally quit resisting and I surrendered to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, immediate peace came over me. Not like peace, like the absence of something left. I was, it wasn't that, it was, it was peace like we talked about in the beginning. It was like the peace of God came over me because of the presence of someone. So for some of us, I know we, we've, been, we've felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit at times in our life, maybe even for a period of, or a season, but we found ourselves unsure what to do with it. And it is truly a moment where you say, I surrender to you as Lord. I receive your gift of salvation and I awaken my life to the fact that you are everywhere all around me. You always have been, you always will be. I wanna find myself in Christ. I wanna join the victory party. Would you pray with me? I just wanna, I wanna pray over us today. You know, God wants a relationship with you. God wants to know you, but we wanna give him some time. And as we bow our heads, I wanna give you a little bit of space to start thinking on this declaration. This is everybody in the room. Every one of us can make a declaration to God today. I actually want to give some space of quiet for you to find your declaration, to just settle into one. And I, don't think about it too hard. It's the thing that God brings to your mind. But I want to be quiet. What's the declaration you need to make today? So let him speak to you. What's coming to your mind? What's coming to your heart? You need to declare to him, yes, you are God. 
you need to say to him, yes, you are good. Yes, you are my passion. Yes, you are trustworthy. What do you, what's the declaration for you? Today, I wanna to officially invite you to the victory party. Some are already there, you're, you're partying with Jesus through your whole life. Just with your heads bowed, I, I just wanna invite you to receive Christ today. I, I do believe he's knocking on the door of people's heart today. If you wanna receive salvation, if you wanna make that declaration that yes, you are my savior, you are my Lord, you are my God. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus, it's a simple sentence, but it has significant meaning. And it's just a sentence, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it, there's no magical statement. It's just, it's just a surrender. Jesus, I give you my life. So I wanna lead you in a prayer. In fact, I wanna invite everybody in the room to just pray this with us. A lot of you have prayed a prayer similar to this. And, but today I'm inviting all of us to pray it, to join with those who may be praying this for the first time. And it's a simple prayer of surrender where you say yes to God. So if you're ready today to receive Christ, to make the decision to choose to follow him for the rest of your life, if you're, just, if you're ready to surrender to him and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, I just want you to repeat after me. And of course, everybody in the room, we're gonna pray this together. So just say this, say, Jesus, I give you my life. Let's say that once again. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Now say, I ask for forgiveness of my sin now say, I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Now say, thank you, God, for saving me. With everybody's heads bowed, just one last thing. If you just said that prayer for the first time, I want to pray for you. Because this is a big deal, and this is a significant moment for you in your life. And I'm going to ask you to do one more brave thing. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just lift your hand all around the room? Just be brave. No hesitation. Just lift it up. Just lift it up, up in the balcony, downstairs, down anywhere in the room. I just, wanna, I just want you to lift it high and I wanna say, Lord, thank you for these people that are giving their life to you. We just pray you seal this moment, plant this decision in good soil so they can go deep faith and deep love for you. Father, we trust you to lead, to speak, to transform. Lord, we also pray for the number of other declarations that are gonna be made to you today. Father, we declare, yes, you are. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody together said, amen. Can we celebrate the Lord, the lives that are being changed right now? We just thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with us? We're gonna worship. And as we worship, this altar is open. You can come and pray. You can say your declaration on your knees. You can surrender to him. And if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'll give you next steps after we sing, but we're gonna to respond to the Lord for about five more minutes. And we're just gonna to say to God that Lord, you are God and I'm not. Amen, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, We'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.